All right, Cincinnati fans, welcome to week three of the Anchor Down Cincinnati podcast. We've got a very special guest today, uh, but before I do uh, I introduce him, um, what I'm going to do is give a special thank you to um, a few people since we had so much love and support in the first two weeks. A uh, huge shout out to Matthews Mazes and Matthew Hausler for designing the logo. Um, he's been awesome. Can't wait to work with him in the future. we got merch coming out as well. Um, I, and also just wanted to thank everybody for, for all the love and support they showed on the first few weeks. Uh, we're going to keep the ball rolling today. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, some, some Bearcats football, Bearcats basketball, um, and, and also touch base on the Reds. Um, I got a Cincinnati, uh, blog, Cincinnati sports blogger here today. Um, again, we're doing over the phone uh, just for the, the, uh, the circumstances we've been put in. Um, which we're eventually going to be moving into in person, hopefully next week. Um, stay tuned for that. But uh, for the time being, I got uh, Cincinnati sports blogger Tyler Dugan with me, a uh, friend of mine, uh, went to high school with him, um, and we're going we're gonna to dish about some, uh, some Bearcats football and basketball. But got Tyler on the line here. Tyler, are you there? I'm here, man. What's going on? Awesome. Uh, yeah, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, give you maybe a bit of a background on – uh, who you are, you know, what, what your background with uh, Cincinnati sports is, your love for it and everything? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, I mean, I grew up around here um, whole life. My dad kind of had it ingrained in me that you're going to grow up and you're going to root for these teams, which uh, I guess you can kind of take that with a thank you. I'm not sure it's been a great thank you for the 24 <laughs> years I've been alive. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, I grew up on the west side loving UC, loving um, – the Reds, the Bengals, all that shit. Um, and then a couple years back, a friend of mine's older brother started a blog called The Pup List, asked me to write for him and just contribute to kind of shoot the shit, basically kind of what you're doing here whenever I wanted to. So when I was in college, I got real into that. Um, I did it pretty often. Now that I'm working full time, I don't necessarily do it as much as I'd like to. Um, but I got into it a couple weeks ago with all the Burroughs stuff. Um so I still will get on every once in a while, hit some big hot topics that are fun. Um, and obviously, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I'm a pretty annoying guy there. So uh, hey, it's pretty outspoken the, about all this stuff. Us Westsiders, <laughs> us Westsiders understand what it's like to be, um, you know, a, a, an elder panther first off. Um, and, and I know Dugan is actually uh, – we, we both went to elder – um, and I actually, we may actually touch base on, on that as well, but, um, oh, yeah. I mean, being a West sider, what's the glory about being a, uh, a Cincinnati sports fan on the West side? Well, I mean, there's a lot of history here. I mean, I think that's the, that's the coolest part. I mean, my grandpa, um, grew up, he went to West high, um, said of my grandma, they graduated with Pete Rose and, you know, you go all the way back to Don Zimmer and, um, you know, you move it fast forward to, to guys like Kyle Rudolph and then, um, you know, mm-hmm. it goes down the line. I mean, it's crazy when you look back and you see all the all the crazy famous people and, and great athletes that have come over here, and they're really all still selling green. I mean, Pete Rose is still still involved with Cincinnati. Kyle Rudolph obviously still comes back to Elder and, and all that stuff. Um, so it's really cool to kind of see. I think that's what it kind of speaks for itself. But oh, yeah, um, yeah I, mean, I think it's 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 the history involved behind it is what makes everything so special. Oh yeah. And speaking of of Pete Rose here, um, I mean, obviously, Hall of Fame, right? I mean, what what when are we are we going to see that, or what what are your thoughts on that? Oh, um, I, I'm I'm not I'm not the biggest Pete Rose guy. The rest of Cincinnati, uh, 
I mean, I, I like Pete Rose. I, I think he was he's a Hall of Fame player. Absolutely. Should he be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Because I believe Hall of Fame should be on the field. I've, I've said from the jump, I think they all should be in the Hall of Fame. Between Bonds, A-Rod, Sosa, McGuire. I think just put them all in. Clemens. They should all be in because it's, you know, the, the way the times were is, is that's what happened. And there's no proof to, bet, to prove that Pete ever bet while he was playing. Um, and his numbers obviously speak for themselves. Uh, so I, I don't think he ever will get in. Um, because the whole baseball Hall of Fame is the biggest group of pricks alive, um, and it's just a bunch of media guys who have a stick up their ass. Um, so unfortunately, I, I don't think he'll ever get in while he's living. Um, I think he actually spoke on it a couple weeks ago. Uh, I remember watching a pretty he had a pretty funny quotes about it. But I think as he passes away. Unfortunately, I bet we see Pete Rose going to the Hall of Fame. Similar with a lot of those guys. I think that um, I think that mentality that he has, that cockiness that he has, I think that's why I like him more and more. Um, I think like how he, you know, how he presents himself. I mean, what's great about the guys, you can go sit down at a, uh, we'll say the boathouse down at, at, uh, right by, right on the, uh, right on the river. And I think the last time I actually saw him in person, you just see him over there and totally approachable guy to talk to. Um, it's just, it's awesome seeing just an, a full through and through Cincinnati fan or Cincinnati guy, um, who still, you know, he loves Cincinnati and still supports basically all the sports that we have here. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's – and, again, that kind of goes back to the West Side thing, but it's, I think it's just how this mentality has been his whole life. So he just kind of grew up that way, and it's, it is really cool to see how involved he still is and everything. Yeah, and, and I guess we can we could probably transition into, a I, I guess, the Reds here. Um, I, so I know – with the whole entire new schedule, thank God we can have our baseball back. Hopefully, uh, what was it, July, July, around July 4th? Yeah, it seems like they're trying to do the 4th of July weekend stuff, which is good. That would be awesome. And what is it, 82, 83 games um, in that, that weird bracket where I think it's like three major divisions or whatever it is. I, how, I mean, I think that is going to be extremely interesting. It's going to change kind of the game of baseball because what's, I mean, you know what, like if there's something I could change about baseball, I totally understand why there's a hundred and whatever games. But what's also really cool is that this year it's done down to 82, 83 games, which means every pitch is going to matter, which is kind of the fun when you think like playoff baseball, when you think back to like 2012 Reds, when we went and you're at the game and everybody's absolute, it's electric. Everybody's screaming at every pitch I mean, I feel like that's what's going to bring baseball and make it this much this year just that much more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, hopefully, one they pass it. I know. I don't know. I haven't been out. I haven't True. seen any news on it yet this morning. Um, so I don't know if anything's changed. I mean, hopefully that shit just they just push it through. I know that there's a lot of bad rap going on right now between the owners and the players. Um, I'm on the player side. I think the owners are being a bunch of pricks. I would agree. Um, so hopefully, hopefully they kind of get it through. Um, I think they eventually will because I just think the world needs it. I think they're going to they're gonna figure it out at some point. So I'm pretty confident it's going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be a sprint, and it, it's exciting. Uh, I think the Reds are kind of built for that this year, which is also exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting. I mean, they, you know, you look in the past, and I, David Bell got criticized a lot for it last year. Um, in certain moments where he was playing to win one game, he would use all his bullpen, and then you know the next day the Reds were gassed and they were just they had nothing in the tank. So they're, you know, you you are great. You might have won the game the night before, but you you lost your shit for the next two days. Yep. Um, now it's that that mentality is going to have to be had because you you have to you have to win the games that are in front of you. With eighty two, um, you know the season's cut in half. Um, I 
I like the drag of 162 because I just think I think in baseball very rarely do you not see the best teams come out. Um, at least in October, the, you know the best teams are there um, over 162. Um, I think 82 will get the point across. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll be exciting. I don't know how they're going to handle it without with or without fans. Who knows? Um, uh, I mean, the Pirates should be used to without fans, so I guess that's advantage. But I don't really know. <laughs> Anything else, you know, I, I don't know what to expect. So, I'm so, so out of the hate that you, we have for our rivals, what's so? I mean, obviously, we can't stand the Cardinals. The Cubs are, I, for some reason, I don't know what it was last year. The Cubs had better record than us, but we rolled over the Cubs every time they came to Cincinnati. Um, but the Pirates this past year have made, I, I don't know what happened, but the blood just turned bad. And I don't, it may have been, it may have been Yasiel Puig. Um, and, and, and the cockiness that he brought, but, or, well, it, you know, it was, it was Dietrich pimping that one home run, but what was, uh, the, I guess the hate that the Pittsburgh Pirates have for us, do you think it's greater than what the, what we have for the Cardinals? Um, I don't, it's, it's so hard now. I mean, the, the Cardinals now, I don't even know if there's that much hate just because they, you know, they kind of beat us like a drum. They've been so much better the last five years. Yeah. I mean, I think if you go back to the earlier parts of, those last decade, decade, 2010 to 2013, with Brandon Phillips and Fado and Bruce and those guys versus Yadier um, Molina. Oh, that was yeah, those yeah, were the that, days. That was, yeah, that was obviously really heated. Um, it's kind of hard to look at the Pirates and the Reds because it's like, well, they're kind of two shitty teams in the last three years. But I mean, the main issue is Quinn Hurdle. He's always been a dick. I mean, even if you go back to 2012 and stuff, I mean, Rodas Chapman and Andrew McCutcheon got into it. Um, there, there's, there's been a long kind of standing history there. The one common theme is Clint Hurdle. He's known for throwing at guys. It's not just the Reds. Yep. The Pirates like led the league and hit batsmen last year. Um, Chris Archer's a douchebag. Yep. Um, him and his 5.5 ERA um, running his mouth was a little ridiculous. He got pissed off because Derek Dietrich hit one of his balls to the moon. And, <laughs> and that's kind of that. I mean, the Pirates really, the Pirates are a nightmare right now. They're an overall disaster. They're an organizational flux, fucked up the Garrett Cole trade. Um, they really screwed up sending Austin Meadows to, to Tampa Bay. So their whole their whole thing is a mess. Um, but I think Hurdle's gone from there now. So, um, well, David I, I Bell mean, props the props to David Bell for getting in his face last year and just letting him have it. Because yeah, good God, awesome. but I mean, how many how many people are you gonna throw at? You know, I mean, before somebody gets hurt, how many times yeah. is Derek Dietrich? I don't care how many times he pimps a home run. First off, he that ball was freaking gone, and it gives me chills every time I see it. But I mean, was it a dick move? It, it. I mean, yes. It's. I mean, you never want to pimp a home run like that. But at the same time, if it's a rivalry, who gives us? Who gives a shit? I mean, he. He's. You're right. He sent that ball to the moon. Um, yeah. I, I. And I don't know. I. I'm. I'm excited to see what happens here. But I. I love what the Reds did here. When. Uh, when we got we 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 went out, uh, and picked up a rival from the Cubs. Um, and, and after, even after he threw at Puig and, and everything, um, and, and his his tilted hat, please tell me you know who I'm talking about. About oh uh, yeah, Pedro Strupp. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Strupp, how are you feeling about him? I feel, I think that's that's a great addition he's to the Reds. Falling under the radar. I mean, it was big when we kind of signed him because he was one of the early guys. But then we went and signed three or four more guys, and he really flew under the radar. I don't think half of Cincinnati kind of forgets that we have him. It's a major addition to a position that we really needed. And um, love him or hate him, the guy the guy pitch he strikes people out. Yeah, he does. He, 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 he had a down year compared to what he's had in the past last year. Hopefully he can kind of rebound a little bit. Yeah. Um, 
the Cubs' bullpen overall was nightmarish last year. Uh, so hopefully he can kind of rebound back. I, it is a major addition, similar to what 2012, um, you look back and the Reds, uh, you know, they in that offseason they traded for Matt Latos, um, built up that, and then they, they got guys like Jonathan Brox and Sean Marshall who really came in and, and hammered down the bullpen. The Reds have that now. Um, you can look at four pretty strong names with Strope, Lorenzen, Garrett, and hopefully Iglesias gets back to his all-star level. Yeah. Um, and that's really what you need, especially in a season like this where every game is going to be shortened, where every bullpen pitch will matter. Um, you need four guys down there who you can really hammer in and trust. And then you hope guys like Cody Reed and Robert, Robert Stevenson can can really figure it out. And um, He's a young kid. I feel like Stevenson bullpen. will come along. But what you're right though. I think it, it, it what it reminds me of is when we had that. Uh, well, I think was it 2012 where we had it was like Sam Lecure, Jonathan Brox, and Aroldis Chapman. And if we could get to yeah. the seventh inning, it was lights out. Yeah, yeah. You're playing six inning baseball. It's it's, it's so much better. And when your starting pitching is really good, which is the Red should be. It, it, you know, they always say shorten the games. Um, I mean, the Yankees won 100 games last year just shortened games because their starting pitching wasn't good. But when they had the back end of Potensis and, and Zach Britton and Robertson and then Chapman, it's you know the Reds are trying to do something very similar. So you, you play six innings of baseball when everyone else is playing nine. It's really easy. And then you got the Reds lineup to throw it on top of it. They're they're really talented. They really are. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be it, really talented. It's going to be fun. Um, I think what. What's going to be, I guess, a big factor for us this year? Um, I, I don't think it's the pitching because, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, our our weakest pitcher is probably Disco, and he's what he's in the four spot right now, and I think that's pretty good. Um, but when you look at guys like Trevor, I mean, first off, Trevor Bauer is probably one of my biggest spirit animals. I think he is hilarious. I love what he's doing. I think when he was – what did he post? He posted something on Twitter the other day where he was like – I, he was out in the desert in like Arizona. He's pitching to Derek Dietrich, and they're just shooting yeah, shit with each other. Good. Oh, it was awesome. That was good. But I mean, you're right. I think the pitching's there. Um, I, I think a big factor is going to be. I think our infield is is pretty tight and locked down. But that outfield, I know there's some very vari- there's some variation we have out there. Obviously, you got to play Castellanos. You got to if Senzel is healthy. If if he's still on the team, which I'm praying and hoping. I'm I'm biased when it comes to Senzel. Um, I, I you got to throw him out there. But what is your what's your uh, your outfield look like? Well, they're going to catch a huge break. It looks like because they're going to have a universal DH, yeah. so that's going to save some a lot of headaches where you're going to be able to put bats in the lineup. Um, David Bell became a master last year at mixing and matching lineups based on right-handed, left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. He's obviously super analytical. So I'd imagine it's I, I'd imagine your consistent best lineup will look something like Castellanos in left, Senzel in center, and Akiyama in right. Akiyama. Um, and then I, I think the DH will probably be whoever you know if, if it's a right-handed pitcher, Jesse Winker's going to swing the bat. He can really hit right-handed pitching. So um, and then you got left-handed pitchers, probably Aquino or Irvin. Uh, everyone fell in love with Aquino in August, and it was really hard not to. He had one of the best rookie months ever. He'd yeah. be the best rookie month ever. Yep. Um, but he was bad in September, really bad. And, you know, a lot of people start stopped watching the Reds because they fell out of the race, but he was really bad in September. So it's finding that mesh between them. And Senzel was, you know, kind of similar. He peeled off at the injury late. But, um, you know, he went back to his old hitting stance, and Turner Ward kind of fucked him up in the middle of the year last year. Now he's gone. <laughs> so hopefully Senzel can get back. There's there's a it's, it's a good issue to have. Really, it is. Too it, much talent. It really David is. Bell was really good. Especially when you're looking at a guy like Philip Irvin, and I, I mean, if you, you've heard me talk before, I, I mean, I preach Philip Irvin. I think he is a guy 
who is really making a name for himself. And I, f- like, when you least expect it, I mean, they'll probably, if he gets into the lineup, he'll play in, like, a seven spot. He's the yeah. guy who hits home runs in the seven spot, in my opinion. Yeah. And for, for yeah, like, he's got a lot and, of pop. yeah, and you he's have a, no idea. First round draft pick. He has a lot of talent. He yeah. really does. He's, he's always just kind of been the, the guy who's left out because the outfield has always been somewhat talented. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's, he's another guy. He's going to come in and he's going to get the opportunity to play. It's, it's it's really is a good thing. The DH is gonna save them a lot of a lot of headaches because they'll be able to hit four guys and it'll be be one of those four usually. Yeah. I I, I, I totally agree. agree. I totally agree. We just need to get we, we need to get back out there, man. I I, I I miss coming home. I mean, we're, I'm working from home right now, but we, there's nothing like coming for coming home from work and then you're like, Oh well, game's on at seven. Um, right. I'm not. Yeah. I'm gonna grab a, a beer or two and 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 call it a day and and, and yep. watch some baseball. Nice Dude, yep. it's the best. But I can't wait to get back out there. You know, see friends, some old friends that we used to see down at the Reds and the Bengals games. Um, I actually have a buddy, um, and actually he's an OG of the show. Um, his name is Matt Ernst, and he is a DUI attorney. So when you, if you guys are down there. Uh, having a good time at the banks before a Reds or Bengals game, uh, you get caught in a predicament. Please, folks, do not drink and drive. Facing a DUI charge can result in a loss in your license, your freedom, or even worse. DUI charges require immediate attention and action. Let DUI Matt show you what to expect. And for a free consultation, visit www.igotadui.com. Save this 24-hour emergency phone number into your phone and call him immediately before doing any tests. Another OG of the show that uh, that I, is a, a friend of mine, um, and I actually use this product when I bought a, a ring for, for my fiance. Um, he's a jeweler, and his name is Phil Amrine. Um, he's down at the Reds and the Bengals games quite often as well. Um, he's also an OG of the show, and if you have any uh, questions or want to be consulted in the right direction when it comes to buying jewelry, please visit Phil Amrine at Amrine Diamonds off of Coleraine Avenue. Again, that's Phil Amrine with Amron Diamonds off Coleraine Avenue. But Tyler, man, we got to get out there. I miss going to the banks, and then I miss Firework Friday, and, dude, we need it. We, we need it. Yeah, it seems like it's kind of slowly coming back, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, I know, the outdoor stuff is open this weekend. I saw the banks were open a little bit, so hopefully, um, you know, things kind of start to get back to normal, and, you know, I know there's safety stuff involved. They figure that out. Yeah, man. Everything kind of just slowly get back to normal. Be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, man. And, and I mean, we got. I, I mean, this is you're actually a part of the first segment where I'm mentioning it, but we're gonna dive into some Bearcats here. Um, I and hopefully we can play. I, I mean, we're gonna be watching some college football this year. I know they're trying as much as they can to to push for it. I know it's not really in the favor of of us fans, um, but hopefully we can play because I think that Luke Fickle is doing some good stuff with the Bearcats. Um, I, I think he actually, to be honest, I people have different feelings about Luke Fickle. I think he's going to be the guy that eventually is going to bring us into make that that um, that presence in the top twenty-five. Yeah, I mean it's really hard not to not to enjoy what he's doing. I mean he, you know, his first year they went four and eight, and he had to really change the. You know, he talked about changing the perspective of the program and changing the, you know, the, the, the culture there, and he did it in a year. I mean, they've got back-to-back 11-win seasons. They finished last year in the top 20, or I think they were 21st the last college football playoff poll. Um, you know, it, they're really lo- – I mean, they're loaded. It's it's really hard to look at this year's team and not think they, they should be a preseason top 20 team. Yep. Um, 
they are loaded. They're loaded at every pre, pretty much every position. Um, there, there's. I think this year is the year where you look and you say that if this team doesn't make a New Year's Six bowl. Something went wrong. I mean, there, there's no reason this team shouldn't be 11 and 1, 12 and 0. Um, they have that kind of talent. They have that kind of people returning. Um, I mean, they, I think they're returning 20 to 22 guys, um, including quarterback. He's a three-year starter. Um, they lose DeGuara and Michael Warren to the NFL, and I think they might have lost like Terry Young, linebacker. But other than that, I mean, we got a transfer from Alabama. Jerome Ford will probably come yep. in and play running back right away. DeGuara played a loaded position, so it, you know it's kind of that scenario where you know, they're going to they're going to figure it out. Uh, I love what Fickle's doing, and like you said, I, I he's definitely the right guy for the job. It was a huge win for the program when he turned down Michigan State. Yep. Um, so now he's you know he's got to deliver. He's he's been really close, but now he's he's made it public. The point is now you know they've came up short the last two years. They've had two chances to win conference titles. Um, this year's year, they have to win the conference. They should win the conference. Uh, I shouldn't say they have to. There's no reason they shouldn't. Job, win. But there's, there's no reason they shouldn't yeah, lose the conference. They should win. Um, it's what I mean is like they're going to be you're going to start looking at these players as like a Tony Pike or Marty Gilliard. I mean, you remember how much fun that team was back in uh, back when we where, what was it? It was like 2009, 2009, 2009 yeah. Yeah, I mean that team was so much fun, and I can I can see it happening with with this team we got coming up. Like you said, there's no reason that they should. I mean, they should go undefeated, or I mean, I. I guess I could give him a game, but, but I mean, it, it'll be a fun season. I know Fickle just uh, recruited his, his son Landon as well. Um, and honestly, I think what you're, what you're talking about, it just, it says a lot about the guy. It sounds like he's Cincinnati through and through. Um, the fact you're, he's turned down a job for Michigan, Michigan state. I think that speaks volumes. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I remember his opening press conference. I remember him saying, uh, you know, if, if they keep score, we want to win it. And he's really, like, he's really hammered that home. I mean, they last year they had the best group of five recruiting class in the country by a landslide. It wasn't even close. Um, you know, they were they were higher than 30 Power 5 teams. They had a top 40 recruiting class. They This year, that right now, they had the 20th rated recruiting class in the country. Um, he's really hammered recruiting home. He's recruited here in Cincinnati. And then he's won a lot of football, so it's like he's he's one of those guys where he's he's everything he said he's put into belief. So it's it's awesome. Yep, I can't wait. It's gonna be fun. Um, hopefully, we get we get some good memories out of them. As far as UC football goes, let's hear your top. What's your number one UC UC football memory? Ah, uh, well, I mean, that's that's always easy. It's you know the pit game in two thousand nine. Yeah, um, I remember exactly. I was at uh, Hot Wings Bar, which is now closed, but I was in Del High. Hot Wings Bar was in 2009. I was probably in the eighth grade uh, with my dad, and uh, I remember she was obviously getting killed early. I was pretty upset, and then uh, Marty Gilliard returned that kick in the second half to kind of flip the game, flip the momentum. Um, Pitt had Deion Lewis, who was a stud. Yep. She could not stop him, and then obviously the play at the end with uh, Pike to Benz. 40 yards out was maybe that my team, favorite that, moment ever. That team. My dad jumped I, yeah. on the ball and celebrated. It was awesome. That team was that team was awesome. I mean, when, when Gilliard – you could go – there's so many memories. I mean, obviously, Gilliard returning the, the – how many how many punt returns was it? But when – against Pitt, at Pitt, in the snow, I mean, that was freaking unbelievable. Plus, like yeah, – in Heinz Field, which where Cincinnati never wins. It's kind yeah. of like it was, it was you know, monumental. In, in the house of hell, 
you see one up there and one. Yeah, that was that was unbelievable. Plus, you got like all the names back there. I'm, like you said, Armand Benz, Tony Pike, Isaiah Pede, Marty Gilliard, just all like. I mean, dude, I, Pike got injured that year, um, and he had to get those screws in his arm. But which which kind of you know that sucked. But yeah, they had Zach Kolaris step up. It was really good. I mean, yeah. Zach Kolaris ended up having a good career at UC. Yep. I mean, he, he's come back and. Here's the start of the next two years. They they had two really good years under Butch Jones. Well, I think the next year they sucked, but yep. the year after that they were really good again. Clarice was really talented. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it, I, like you said, dude. I think I think we actually got something this year, and I, I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. Um, as far as UC basketball goes, um, I mean, we've been through hell and back with with our with our Bearcat basketball teams, and I. <laughs> I mean, think about the Kenyon Martin ACL tear, the the UConn half full court shot. I mean, we've been through hell and back. Now, what I guess with the team this year, I know there, there there's a lot of work to be done. I didn't. I I'm kind of on the on the offside here. I was not a big fan of letting Mick Cronin go to UCLA, but I mean, I good for Mick. I love Mick Cronin. Um, but but what do you got for me this year? Uh, I'm, I'm on the opposite of you a little bit. I mean, I, I liked Mick Kernan. I thought Mick Kernan saved the program, um, and I was nervous when he left. Um, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think John Brandon was the absolute perfect guy. I'm in love with him. Um, he's really good. They're, they're an interesting team this year. There's a lot of a lot of question marks, but they're they're going to be a lot of fun. There's there's a lot of talent there. Um, Keith Williams entered into the draft. Uh, I would imagine he's probably going to be back. I don't think he'll get drafted. Same with Chris Vogt. Um, they'll both probably be back, and they'll, they'll both start. Um, on top of that, you got guys like Micah Adams-Woods, who started at point guard last year. He'll be back. He was a freshman. He'll start. Zach Harvey was a top 60 recruit two years ago. He's back. Um, he'll be really talented. That was Brandon's first big recruit. Um, he's, he's really, really talented. He, he played through some injuries last year, and he came in late, that kind of stuff. He's so, yeah, he'll be – he's really talented. They got uh, Tari Eason – as a freshman, the Matson brothers, Micah Saunders, and then two big name transfers, uh, Rappelis Ivanowskis, or I don't know how the hell to say his name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they call him Rap. He's from Colgate. He torched us for twenty one last year when we lost to them. He was an All American. And then David Julius from uh, from Michigan. If he gets immediately, if he gets immediately eligible, I think we're looking at a really talented team. I mean, we lost the names that McCurden had, um, but. I, I think this team and the schedule is really loaded, so we're going to find out early. But it's there's a lot of talent there, yep. a lot of talent. And I'm I'm assuming. Well, this is assuming we're going to play, but hopefully we can. Um, I think you know after looking at the uh, the schedule here, I think you, you said we were loaded as far as the uh, the conference goes. Other than Houston, because I know Houston actually did. I know they had a decent uh, recruiting class coming in. I mean, how are we feeling about the the conference? Well, Houston's gonna be really good. I mean, there's uh, they have some questions on guys who entered the draft, and I don't know, I don't know enough on whether they come back. They weren't graduating anybody. If no. they get everybody back, they're probably a top five team. They might be a top five team in the country. They're really good, really, really, really good. Um, so that that's gonna be the, definitely the class of the conference. Um, Wichita was supposed to be good, and they literally had nine players transfer. So I don't know what that situation is like there. Greg Marshall obviously had some stuff go on. He's yep. a huge dickhead anyway, so yep. it's not surprising. <laughs> but um, it's that will be interesting. I know they got some talent too, so I don't know where they range. Um, other than that, Memphis 
seems to be returning a lot of those freshmen that they had from the number one recruiting class. I hate losing um, to Memphis, dude. I hate losing for, because, like, yeah, that's, there's that's no the reason. Rivalry. There's no reason we should lose to Memphis. It's just, ugh. I hate losing. Yeah, they Memphis. lost Precious Achua, who was obviously their best player last year and gave us fits in the middle. Um, Penny didn't recruit as well as he did last year, so I should say recruit. He didn't pay as well as he did last year, so I don't know what that exactly means yep. um, for the rest of the team, but uh, I know they got some guys who'll be good. So I, th- I think it's kind of a three-man race up top um, with Houston, Memphis, UC. Um, you know, Temple's always – I turn that Temple off the shit ton. But we seem to struggle when we play there we, for whatever reason. Yeah, we do. I, I think um, they'll be okay there. I And, I, you know, Wichita, Wichita State, after looking at what they've done in the in, in this offseason, if you will, I think it's – I think I think we can probably – we can't rule them out, but – that should be two wins in, in my book. Um, I, again, I think, like, like you said, if, if it's going to be a three-headed a three headed dragon up there at the top, it's going to be Memphis. Houston is going to be a problem. But I, there is no reason why it shouldn't be a competitive game against you, against Houston. Yeah, I mean, they, I think you see as a talent, they're just super young. So it, it'll, be, it'll be – they have a lot to learn from a lot of guys. Hopefully, you know, Adams Woods and, and Harvey really develop. Keith Williams takes – you know, Keith Williams has been a role player for his last two years. You know, this year he'll have to be the star. So can he jump from being, um, make that Trey Scott-esque kind of jump from being, you know, a really good player to, to the leader and a star. Um, and then same for guys like Zach Harvey, who, you know, who was a freshman last year, didn't play a ton because he backed up the Cumberlands. But can he can he kind of come in as a sophomore, make a real impact? And then, yep. um, Tari Easton's the freshman. I think he'll make an immediate impact. And then... Uh, then the transfers. I mean, the transfers are big. If the Julius, if the Julius is eligible, he'll really add a, a guard to the mix that they need. Um, and he's kind of you know leadership qualities. He's, he and played a lot it. for Michigan last year. Yeah. yeah, he can shoot it a little bit. So if he's eligible, it'll really be a major boost. I think that that can put him over the edge. I mean, I I'm not gonna sit here and say Houston um, is impossible to win, but that they're really good. They're yeah. gonna be really really good. So that's that's definitely. Even with the non-conference schedule that they have, Houston might be the best team they play all year, which, which says a lot. So, yep. exactly, you're you're 100 right. Um, thinking back to, I mean, we've had some people um, ask some questions just because I, we have some diehard UC Bearcats fans that uh, basketball fans that that listen to the podcast. If you were to give, let's say your top, let's say your top team or your top player in UC basketball history, that's a tall order. Who do you got for me? Favorite like the best player or my favorite? Your favorite. Um, oof, that's hard. Um, I don't know if he's the best, but I'll give you mine. Just because this was when I was knee high to a grasshopper, sucking down a gogurt. I was watching uh, uh, Tony Bobbitt was literally. Oh uh, yeah, Tony Bobbitt was awesome. Dude, Tony Bobbitt was like my the first UC basketball player I I knew, and I freaking thought that dude yeah. was the freaking world. That was those were the early teams that I really. I mean, I I, I don't really remember Kenyon in two thousand. I was only four, yep. so I don't I don't remember it, it very well. I, I remember like very small things from that. I remember they lost a cross town shootout. Yeah, I cried myself to sleep. <laughs> uh, but those, those O two O three O four teams with Logan and Donald Little, Leonard Stokes, Tony Bobbitt, uh, Jason Maxiel, Eric Hicks, Armin Kirkland, those guys. I mean those. Those are the guys I fell in love with. And obviously, O two, they were one seed. Plus, the second round. plus, they're but, all under uh, Bob. They're 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 all under uh, Huggy Bear. Huggy, Huggy, they're all under yeah. Huggy Bear. <laughs> Coach Huggins, yeah. 
Tell me if I'm wrong, but does Coach Huggins not look like a guy who can just grill a mean brat? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he definitely has that quality. Brat and probably some whiskey next to him. <laughs> Freaking love Huggins. Even when I'm watching him out like West Virginia, I mean, he's – I think he's the real deal. I think he's a great coach. But Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's yeah, one of the best. And, one and of the best ever. If we were to go, uh, we'll, we'll say – Best UC moment versus worst UC moment, basketball moment. What do you got? Oh, well, in my life, I mean, historically, well, I mean, there's so many bad ones. It's really hard to narrow it down. I mean, you can go back to, to them losing at the buzzer to, to West Virginia, and I think it was 97 or uh, uh, when when Art Long got tackled in the, in the in 98, I think, to Iowa State, and they didn't call it. And those are some brutal losses with Danny Fortune, some really good teams. Obviously, Kenyon's leg break in, in 2000 is the most obvious. That was the best team in the country. He was the best player in the country. They were going to win the national championship. It wasn't a contest. Um, him breaking his leg was a was a, probably the worst. But in my life, um, I honestly think the worst sports moment I've ever had in my life was UC Nevada in 2018. Dude. Um, oh, my God. I I'm never, I'll never, I don't know if I'll ever lose a, I don't know if I'll ever fully recover from that. Um, especially the way, looking out, that the way that bracket shook out, freaking Loyola, damn Chicago, went to the Final Four in that region. I mean, UC would have played that next round, and I know this is like hindsight, but they Loyola Chicago never played a team whose defense would have suffocated them like that. And they're, the Loyola Chicago, there's no way they would have beat UC. They just I, wouldn't have. I mean, they, they played Michigan, who was way more similar team to UC in the Final Four, and Michigan just blew their doors off. And the was, only thing they had, they had they had that nun on their side, which was, I mean, that's I a tall order. Sister Jean. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jean. Sure she, I blame her for UC's loss. I think she cursed the region. <laughs> um, but the way that whole region shook out was, you know, UC was going to play uh, Sister Jean in, in the Sweet 16, and then they would have played Kansas State, who was a 9 seed in the Elite Eight. It was like the perfect run, and they were the perfect team. I mean, they really were so talented. Um that was tough. God, that that yeah, that two points in seven minutes and yeah. Jaron Cumberland fouling out. Um, yeah, that was yeah, tough. Was and then I mean I I can't I cannot get past the it was the team with Sean Kilpatrick. I mean Kilpatrick and he I mean we hit what the against UConn when he he hit the he hit a what a layup on what was it like a two seconds or less than yeah, a second yeah, he hit a three pointer three pointer yeah, yeah yeah actually he actually just put that uh, video up on Instagram the other day. That was awesome. That, that was team was awesome. Great. Uh, 2012. My favorite moment probably came from that team in my life um, when they beat Syracuse in the Big East semifinals. Syracuse was, uh, I think they only had one loss that year. Dude, that team was fun uh, too. You, you got to think about names like, I mean, you got Rubles, you got you got SK, you got, I mean, that we had a bunch of, we had a bunch of weapons on that team. Yeah, yeah. The, the Sweet 16 had like Yancey Gates and Jaquan Parker and Cashman Wright, those guys. Those were uh, really fun. Deion Dixon, um, yeah, my favorite moment probably came from that, that Big East run. Um, I mean, that was Mick's best year. If you look at tournament statistics, he went to the Sweet 16, first he ever made it. So um, that run to the Big East championship, when they beat Syracuse, and it, you know, in the Big East tournament in Madison Square, Madison Square Garden, Syracuse was a one seed. It was like, you know, that was awesome. They just yeah. lit them up. It was, it was, that was a great night overall. Yeah, it was. That was, that was a fun year as well, but. Yeah. Dude, I'm, I I think you're right. I think we got we got weapons this year. It'll be a fun year to watch. Um, see what we can do. Um, I I know as far as um, as you know our conversations go. You got anything else for 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 the uh, for anybody on listening to the pod? No, I mean I, I, don't, I mean I think it's right now. It's an exciting time to be in Cincinnati. Um, I think last decade, obviously, we started out okay. Um, 
sports-wise in terms of, you know, the Reds won the division and the Bengals went to five straight playoffs, that kind of stuff. But um, I think overall right now, I mean, it's, it's really hard not to be excited. The Bengals are have obviously done a lot. They've revamped their whole team. I mean, there's a lot of hype around them. And, you know, it's easy when you get the quarterback that they got. You know, there's going to be a lot of hype with that. It's just going to be fun. And then the Reds obviously made a big splash, spent the most money in spring training they ever uh, offseason they ever have. Um, they're really, really talented. And then um, UC football, again, that speaks for itself. But they're, they should be a top-20 team. They should really compete for a, for a New Year's Six Bowl. And then uh, the basketball team, I mean, I love – John Brandon. John Brandon is super exciting. He's they're gonna be young. I think they're gonna be feisty, but the way he's scheduled, he's brought back the rivalry with Louisville. We're in the preseason NIT tournament with Arizona and Texas Tech and St. John's. Like that it's hard not to get, you know, get excited about that kind of stuff just because, you know, we haven't experienced that. There's a lot of talent there, a lot of talent in, in the region. So it should be you know, the next five or six years, I think Cincinnati, you know, I mean be a lot of fun. In other words, we just decided to spend some money, finally. Uh, yeah, yeah, professional wise. You know, nothing pisses me off more than when billionaires play poor. And Mike Brown and, and Bob Castellini had the tendency to kind of act poor um, with a billion dollars in their pockets. So, it, it, you know, it drove me nuts. But, yeah, they, they, seem, they seem to turn the corner. And I think it's a, a testament. I, I was actually talking with my brothers about this, but the, the new wave of coaches that they have here. I mean, really, in the last two years, we've seen an almost revamp of every team. And it started with the coaches. I mean, UC got fickle and was a different brand than Tommy Tuberville ever was. Really different than Brian Kelly and Butch Jones. It was totally a different ideology, a different method. I mean, Luke Fickle really embraced Cincinnati overall. Um, and then John Brandon, you know, he talked about his, his coaching style is so contradictory to McCronin. It's, it's insane. And he's really put an emphasis on recruiting and scheduling, kind of the opposite of what Mick, Mick ever did. Mick won a lot of games. Um, but, he, you know, he, John Brandon's guy, he won the press conference. He'll get you excited. Mick never won any press conferences, so it's it's easy to get excited on our stuff. And then it is. David Bell is a huge 180 from Brian Price and Dusty. And, um, I mean, obviously, we have Marvin Lewis here for forever. So, Zach Taylor really – I think Zach Taylor owes a lot of credit to kind of changing the, the perception and the mindset of Mike Brown. It um, is. So and he, on, and so he came he came in on, on, a, on a tough team. I mean, he came in knowing he had a rebuild. I can't wait to see what he does this year. Um, mainly because people are judging him off of what he did last year. I think in his last eight games, he started no, understanding. I mean, he got out coached in the first eight games, but I think now he's starting to. I, I mean, in the in the late season, he started figuring out you know how to beat some teams. I mean, we only had two wins, but with what he was given, I mean, I don't. I mean, it, it's hard to win with, with with the situation he was given, especially with the O line he was given and you know Andy. But that's a that's a, a story for another day. But. The fact that he's coming in, I think this year is going to be a big telling story for for Zach Taylor, and I'm I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, I I do end end the podcast um, with with the same question though every week. Where were you when Jeremy Hill fumbled the football? <laughs> uh, I was there. Uh, that was that was the biggest kick in the dick I think I've ever taken. Uh, <laughs> I said UC Nevada was the worst sports moment, and I actually stand by that. I was crushed after UC Nevada. Um, I was so angry after the Bengals um, that moment. I mean, and there's so much more to it. I mean, if you go back and watch it, well, I'll just, I mean, I'll t- so I was there. Um, my dad got seats through work, and uh, it was me, my mom, my dad, and my brother, Matt. And we uh, the, we had the, the not the suite, but the, the club level where you can go, like, kind of inside and outside or whatever, which was really nice because oh, the weather dude. sucked. Yeah. It sucked. Yep. So um, I remember – 
I remember my dad went inside at one point with my brother Matt, and he said, we're going to go get beers or whatever, we'll be back down. And I mean, almost immediately when he went inside, Vontez sacked Big Ben, and Big Ben got hurt. Yep. So it's almost like the tide kind of got switched in the stadium, I remember, and the Bengals grabbed all that momentum. They went down and scored pretty much right away, and we texted them. We're like, you stay in there. You're not coming back <laughs> down here. Um, so they did. They literally stayed in there the entire time. A.J. Green scores. Um, Bengals take the lead. My dad is inside with my brother. They did not come out. They were celebrating inside, going crazy. And they have TVs and stuff in there, so you can watch the games. But no shit, man. Vontaze Perfect intercepts Landry Jones. And there comes my dad and my brother sprinting down the stairs. I mean, sprinting. And we're like hugging. We're pouring beers, going crazy. <laughs> and I mean, I was literally hugging my mom, like saying, oh my God, we did it. We did it. We did it. As Jeremy Hill took the handoff and like he fumbled. Um, and I just remember thinking. And then I saw that big fat ass seven walk out on the field, and I just knew it was over. <laughs> and the thing was, is it really wasn't. It really wasn't over. The Bengals still should have won. I mean, Hill fumbled, and he takes a lot of the blame, and deservedly so. Um, but he, the Bengals had him had him do a fourth and nine at one point, and Big Ben couldn't throw. He literally could not throw the ball down the field. His arm was is in shambles. He had like a separated shoulder, and the freaking Paul Gunther couldn't figure that out and couldn't put it through his head that we're, you know, the Bengals are playing like nothing underneath. They just give up a dink and dunk pass to Antonio Brown for a first down. And then it was obviously the, and then the Tez, perfect. And then Tez happened. happened like idiots. Tez happened. And then uh, Porter came out. Oh my God, dude. That, that was yeah. a freaking train wreck. You're God right though. What's, <laughs> no, what's frustrating is that there was like, like AJ McCarron, like you know the wonder kid that just came in and he's he's gonna save the day. He's the uh, he's the backup that's gonna bring us to a playoff win. He beat the he beat the fucking Steelers. Yeah, he, it's kind of crazy. People, he played like shit. I remember being like Jesus. Oh, AJ. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. it was the weather was terrible. So, but it was like right. It was almost Tim Tebow like like he played bad all game, but for some reason in the in the end he just like flipped it on. Yep. And it was like fourth quarter. Here comes McCarron, and he just. You know, he kind of dealt some really good balls. I mean, even the touchdown to A.J. Green was over th- underthrown. But it was it's hard to judge him because the weather was literally so bad. Oh, yeah. That game overall was wild. I mean, there were so many I, – I, I hate to get on a soapbox, but it just – the way the Steelers – Martavius Bryant, I don't understand how still to this day that was considered a touchdown. They he came out – what? caught the ball on his back. Dude, what's a kick in the nuts is that the NFL came out about three months later and said that was not a catch. Yeah, it was, it was so – I mean, if you, you hear all the time, like, did Dez catch it in the – obviously, you know, the Bengals don't have enough weight with the national media to really point. That Martavius Bryant catch – the NFL just posted a post about, like, greatest catches or something like that, I think, or, or I, I forget what it was, but I watched it, and that catch came up on it. I'm like, that wasn't a fucking – It's catch. incomplete. He didn't catch the ball. He flipped He flipped and bobbled it the entire time. He pinned it up against Threw his Through his legs. And, it was clear. Yeah, I'm like, that was never a catch. He was bobbling it as he was stepping in. To this day, it still irritates me. That and Ryan Shazier, who I know is a terrible thing to happen to him, but Ryan Shazier lowering his head and just knocking Giovanni Bernard. Oh, which fumble. is why we fumbled, because Giovanni Bernard would have been in the game because he always had the late-game carries because he had better ball security. So I, and, really, I, and I'll Ryan say Shazier, it once. I'll say it once. I'll say it again. I, you don't want it to happen to your worst enemy. But he leads with his head. Yeah, he did it. I mean, he was known for it. I mean, he yeah. did that all the time. And it's, yeah. it's terrible. I mean, it's... It, doesn't deserve, I mean, David Pollock had a similar thing happen to him, right? It, it, you know, you learn – he didn't hit the right way. Nope. No, and a lot of NFL players don't. He just had the bad luck. But, I mean, yeah, that hit was bullshit. It should have been a penalty. It wasn't even a penalty. They almost called it the touchdown. 
the place went nuts, I remember. Um, but that was really when the tide switched because the Bengals got pissed. Yep. So, I don't know. I mean, it's it's, it's, terrible, it's hard dude. to relive it. I remember every moment of it. Um, God, it was terrible. I remember walking out. We parked in a, in a parking garage. and um, I mean, there was probably 60. I mean, there's 60,000 people in the stadium or whatever. There's probably 100,000 people downtown. And it was quiet. I mean, I've yeah. never, I mean, you literally have never heard this many people quiet. It was yeah. dead silent. It was, it was terrible. Well, was hey, that's what's going to make, I mean, once we get that playoff win with Burrow, that's what's going to make it just that much more sweet. Right, exactly. Hopefully. Yeah, it's, you know, all the pain and suffering yeah, breaking man. through. Yeah, man. But, <laughs> yeah. Hey man, thank you so much for coming on the show. Obviously, well, uh, we're gonna have you back. You're, you you were freaking awesome. So thank you so much. Um, and and um, it, let me know if uh, if anybody has any questions for for Tyler. Um, go ahead and follow him on Twitter, Tyler Dugan. Um, follow his 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 blog. Guy writes some 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 awesome hot takes that he has about the Bengals. And quite frankly, the guys write a majority of the time, and I don't know how he does it. So. <laughs> I don't know. We, I was talking with somebody else the other, what was it, last Saturday, and, dude, you, you make some hot takes, and then when they land, you're like, what the hell? How the hell? He, he got it. <laughs> I got lucky a few times. I'm lucky a few times. I'm wrong a lot, too, so it's not always. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, see you, man. All right, folks, that's week three of the Anchor Down Cincinnati podcast. Uh, you know, every week we do a segment for local businesses because I do love supporting um, our, our Cincinnati businesses. Um, and, and for the first one, we have my boy Aaron Hatfield with Hatfield Logistics. Hatfield Logistics is a local veteran-owned independent freight broker providing shipping and transportation services locally, regionally, and nationally. Whether it's expedited freight and small shipments, or a full truckload, Hatfield Logistics can meet you where you are. Forget the corporate shuffle and dishonest or frustrating business practices. Aaron will give you honest advice and feedback, and you will always be able to reach him. Shop local and integrity first. Another shout-out I'd love to, uh, to give is to Clint Kirsting with Triple Crown Wealth Management. Guys, the best in the business when it comes to financial advice, and if you're ever looking for retirement guidance through this volatile market, reach out to Clint Kirsting at Triple Crown Wealth Management. You can reach him at his email, which is C-K-E-R-S-T-I-N-G at tc-wealth.com. Well, folks, we got another very special guest on next week. We're going to bring back John Phipps, and he's got buddies to bring. Uh, we have a former Bengal coming on. I'll uh, announce that later in the week, um, so stay tuned. And if you have any questions, feel free to visit my page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, also visit the website at anchordowncincinnati.com. Um, uh, you can also reach me at anchordowncincy at gmail.com if you want to reach me via email. Um, but thank you so much for anchoring down with me, Cincinnati. Can't wait till next week. Uh-huh.